Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. My guest is April Ryan. She's a White House correspondent, CNN political analyst, D.C. Bureau Chief for the Griot, author and speaker. In her book, Black Women Will Save the World, an anthem, author April Ryan celebrates black women's resilience and strength, championing those who have transformed their pain into progress, despite economic, political, and social challenges. The book celebrates America's founding black women our mothers as sheroes, as well as today's black women leaders like voting rights activist Stacey Abrams, former Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, Pulitzer Prize winner Nicole Hannah, Nicole Hannah Jones, and Vice President Kamala Harris, to name just a few. April Ryan also pays tribute to mothers, nurses, teachers, activists, and community leaders, noting that all black women make the extraordinary ordinary. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass, April Ryan. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be with you. Thank you. Well, you know, you are a face. I'm very familiar with April. Uh, But first, before I even get into that, you know, uh, I want to acknowledge the fact that uh, you are an HBCU graduate, Morgan State. Rashawn, yes, Morgan State. And <laughs> a good friend of mine, uh, uh, Kevin Frazier, went to Morgan State too, didn't he? Morgan State, you think Kevin? Yeah, good. Frazier. Isles, Mesa Leak, Kwaisin Fume, Wilson Good. Come on, girl. Denise- um, Earl Gray. Earl there you Gray. go. That's yeah. my man. That's my man. You know, because when when the um the the George Floyd incident happened, should call it incident a murder, or it should be a call it a social upheaval in this country and in the world. You know, HBCUs were basically 
push to the forefront. And then there's a lot of uh, corporate and um, private donations made to HBCUs. And even this year, it was over $2 billion contributions to HBCUs. With that being said, and I always preach black excellence when I talk about HBCUs, when you start noting the amount of academic success that really has funneled a lot of those schools into the uh, everyday culture we call America. What is your reaction to going to an HBCU? Because your mother taught an HBCU and how its impact is its impact on the world today. Well, my mother was director of student activities. She didn't teach, but okay. she enabled a lot of those students. Mm-hmm. Um, still here today. But no, I'm an HBCU baby. I grew up on an, on an HBCU campus, Morgan State University. Um, growing up on a campus, you're exposed to a lot of excellence. You're exposed to open mind and, and, and uh, open mindism, if you would say. Um, I experienced a lot of exploratory pursuits about life before I even knew <laughs> right. what life would be, right, you know? Mm-hmm. So. And that allows you to be able to have that, uh, you know, that ability, the, the resiliency that you talk about in your book as a black woman, but also the resiliency, the handle situation, that uncomfortable situation. And when you're just trying to do your job, like you've been doing, as we've seen play out at the White House, play out with the personal, I felt, attacks by then-President Donald Trump. How did you handle that? And who were the people, the, the support system around you that allow you to continue to give you strength to do your job on a daily basis? Black women were my support. Black women who um, would see me on the street and be like, sis, I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, people <laughs> like, yeah, they, some black women would say, I put my hand out praying, you know, when you came on. So, so God would guide the conversation. You know, I mean, black women really rallied around me. And I heard so many come crying, you know, I saw the microaggressions on the job and it reminded me of me. And I'm like, you just really don't realize what other people are going through. Right. And the common thread, um, you know, I had so many people support me and I don't want to just call out names, but there were so many people that supported me, but I want to think, I think mostly about black women, particularly as that president vilified many black women during his time in office throughout Mm -hmm. his years. You know, the, the interesting thing about it is that, you know, when you, you, you became a face, you became a, a brand, you know, became an individual. You were forced into the public side. And I'm not saying that's what you wanted to accomplish in your career, because I don't know your career aspirations. But when you were being challenged consistently like that, well, how how did that impact your personal life? I know people came up on the streets because, like I said, you, you were constantly, I felt, under attack. So, and you said black women gave you support, but Internally, how do, what what was the resiliency that that gave you the drive to say I'm right? I'm gonna stand for what I believe in. This is what I went to college for. This is my this is my dream. This is my career, and nobody's gonna back me down. All that you said. I mean, I didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. I stand on the shoulders of my family, my mm-hmm. ancestors, my late mother and father. Mm-hmm. I stand on the shoulders of HBCUs, the Black community, Baltimore City. I did nothing wrong. I asked him questions. He didn't want to answer questions about a black community that about the black community that he could have cared less about. Right. Um, that's just my fact. 
Um, and at the end of the day, um, how was I attacked? I was attacked in every way. I had the FBI come to my home. I have had bomb squads come to my home. I, wow. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it sounds like a movie, but it was my life. Right. And it was a price to pay. But why would I run? And maybe it was fight or flight. I don't know. But I didn't fly or run away. Maybe it was fight. But I did nothing wrong. Too many people worked too hard for me to get in that space for me to go somewhere because of someone else. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I was speaking to April Ryan. Uh, she's White House correspondent, CN Pillar Analyst. We're talking about her book, uh, Black Women Will Save the World, an anthem. Also about her personal life and some of the journeys that she's had to endure being an HBCU graduate, working at the White House, uh, especially covering it during the Trump administration. Now let's get to the book, Black Women Will Save the World, because it's really a, a history book. It talks about, you know, the Civil War times and spies. We know that a lot of people may not know that Harriet Tubman was really a spy, you know, when she when she uh, uh, sought freedom. But you talk, you, you touch on a lot of different areas just to let us know how women have slid in their level of commitment and that you may or may not be aware of. What was the journey of the book and the purpose? Well, this book has been years in the making. Um, I presented it to HarperCollins many years ago and they knew that I wanted to write this and it just wasn't the time. And then when Kamala Harris was the vice president of the United States, they said, wait a minute. So, you know, and they saw other black women in prominent positions. They said, okay, let's do this. And then the stars lined up with Katanji Brown Jackson being um, nominated to the United States Supreme Court. I don't know, maybe I was ahead of my time, but this was the right time and it all came together. It wasn't, we weren't plotting out or planning, but this is something I wanted to write for a long time. Right. And it happened at this moment, the right moment. You could not craft the best moment. Like this is the, you could never think about crafting the moment. We got the moment right. just by having. And, you know, and now as we go to the polls, as black women are going to the polls to make decisions for their homes, we are, uh, 52% of the black population. We're a large voting bloc for the Democratic Party. We are we are decider in elections. We have changed <laughs> red states blue. Stacey Abrams and that, and then black women uh, with Roy Moore and Doug Jones voting for Doug Jones in Alabama a few years back. We have power that they don't want to let us know we have. Mm -hmm. Mark the moment and say who we are. It's important. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. You know, when you look at the, because that's, that's, you know, we always talk about the, the role of the black women. I have my six sisters, so I know the role of the black woman. <laughs> and uh, I grew up, a five are <laughs> older than me. And so they reminded me of my position in the family many times with loving, loving smiles. Um, but, but, but the vote, the vote of the black person, the black, especially the vote of the black woman. Right now, these elections are going to turn on the vote of the black woman or the black populace. But in the end, you know, you have Democrats, you have Republicans, you have, it is so extreme now. What do you see the state of politics from your perspective? Because you write in there, you've seen the shift, the dynamics of when President Obama came into the office and they was heckling him doing the state of his state 
of the Union address. You've seen this this kind of like verbal and social abuse that co- call, that's being called out on a daily basis on social media. So where are we at as a black person in America? A black woman in America, or, or, or is our vote being taken for granted? Is the is the power of the woman to shift a narrative as to who can be elected in a state or in the White House being taken for granted? April, yes, most definitely, and I say that unapologetically and very straightforward. Um, it is because if it weren't, we would have a lot more push. It takes black women to go into the United Senate office building to march about voting rights and then get arrested, right? Right. Martin Luther King III got arrested in front of the White House on voting rights. Black people and the vote have been taken for granted for centuries. And the only way from the unique perch that I sit in, the only way we see action is when the squeaky wheel gets oiled and the wheel has got to squeak persistently and consistently. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to, where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories, a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories, cuddles, and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second-grade teacher, and written by my husband, Clark, an eternal second-grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep tight stories. 
Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And when I say Black people and the voters taking for granted, let's just look at this. This is not myth. This is not conjecture. It's fact. The Black community still has the highest numbers of negatives in almost every category. Right. The water is not safe to drink in Jackson. It's not just in Jackson. Flint has never had its problem fixed, okay? Our housing costs, we have 1.5 million units short to have affordable housing in this nation the way the government wants it to look. We're preyed upon financially. I mean, and so on and so on. Our healthcare, do we have it the way it should be? No. I mean, our education, I mean, the list goes on and on. Imprisonment, police brutality. It just hits every climate change. We are impacted. Asthma. Can you say Katrina? We live right in those dangerous spaces where we can lose our home. The list goes on and on. And if we were not taken for granted, these ills would not be so pervasive and so ever present as they are today. You know, you know, and in reading your book, I because you could have chosen a lot of different women to to uh, to um, discuss in your book. Black women will save the world, an anthem. And she's mentioned in the movements and in the rear of the book. I'm talking about um, former first lady Michelle Obama. I thought in the process of just reading your book and looking at, you know, what's happening with Supreme Court Justice Brown and the Vice President Harris, that I felt that she was just as instrumental. Her role, how she played out, I felt enabled them to be considered by the country be as a, as a candidate for vice president to be considered by the, the country as a, to play the role as the Supreme Court justice. When you were selecting the various imagery or stories that you was putting in this book, what did you see her? And I know, like I told everybody, she's mentioned in the movement section of the book, but what did you see her as we talk about it, uh, our impact as a black woman in this movement? Michelle Obama? Yes, ma'am. Oh, Michelle Obama, most definitely. I mean, people, there are people who still want her to run for office, and she's like, no, 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 no. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, um, she is very impactful. Her numbers are just as high, her poll numbers, her pool rating to this day is still just as high as the former president. They're called forever for a reason because people connect to her because she came from the south side of Chicago. Like um, Kataji Brown Jackson, you know, she was told she couldn't, you know, or or she felt she couldn't. But for Kataji, there was a janitor that said, you can keep going. Please keep going. Don't you be so upset. But she was at Harvard. But no Michelle, Michelle, for no Michelle Obama, no for Michelle Obama, there were people who told her she couldn't. And she chose to, in spite of, and I hate to say this, you know, it's a rag to riches story, but in a whole different way average American living in the south side of Chicago going to the, who look like me. Right. Who ancestor of a slave. Slaves built the White House as she so eloquently likes to remind people. But she rose to the highest of heights. If it weren't for Michelle Obama, the chick from the south side. Barack Obama would not be president of the United States if it weren't for Michelle Obama and her connection to Valerie Jarrett, 
Barack Obama would not be the president of the United States. Two black women helped move Barack Obama to become the most, one of the most successful presidents in our modern history. Two black women. Right. And the sad piece about it is for Michelle Obama, she's still invisible. Because when her and Valerie Jarrett would go out, you know, away from the White House and walk, you know, walk around. Michelle Obama is very statuesque. You can't miss her, miss her even if she has a baseball cap on. <laughs> People didn't pay attention to her. She is a marker for movement because she moved. She told us to move for our health. She told us, you know, when they go low, we go high. Sometimes we accept that. Sometimes we don't. But and she also helped steer. She she focused in on our military. She focused in on so many things that others had not. She kept it real. Um, she is part of a movement of black women who activate because they have to. And for all intents and purposes, because of her realness, because of her proximity to power and her understanding of people and situations, she could be a politician if she wanted to. If she wanted to, she could be anything she wanted to be because she's she's worked for it. She's got a pedigree by putting her husband in that space, by standing next to him, by working with Valley. She is, she's a movement all into herself. And yeah, she, she is a symbol of black womanhood, strength and womanhood, standing beside and sometimes behind her husband, but she is the strength of black womanhood. How to get it done. Even as he has a shine, she's still shining on the other side on her own and making it happen. So yeah, she is one of those examples that has helped keep laying the groundwork for women, black women to be in these spaces because every success that we see of a black woman just lays the foundation for the next success. Wow. I'm speaking with April Ryan. A Black Woman Will Save the World, an anthem is the name of the book. An anthem. What do you mean when you when you make that statement, an anthem? If you're in the black church, you know an anthem means over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. Over and over again. And believing it over and over again. Black women will save the world. Black women will save the world. Not only will we save the world, we have, we are, and we shall. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. When we talk about uh, something doesn't go away, that's still in the, the news today is the January 6th uh, riot or insurrection, as they call it. Uh, how did that affect you when it happened and how... And watching it play out, what are, what are your comments? Maxine Waters, people like Maxine Waters, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, who called it out, as you read in the book, mm-hmm. um, he called it out and they didn't listen to her. She asked questions. They didn't listen to her. And But Maxine Waters, before January 6th, and I did the interview, she said, don't you come here to Washington. She told me, don't come to Washington. Mm. Valerie told me, don't you go to Washington. On January 6th, I chose not to. I was in my home, safe, watching it on TV, losing my mind. I had, my dog had done something to the carpet. Carpet cleaner was here, guy I've known for many years. And he was like, calm down. I said, no, do you not see what's happening? 
And he didn't understand why I was getting so hysterical. But once he really took time to look, I said, do you not see what they're doing? If one hair on any of those congressional leaders head, if someone would have died, we may not be sitting here today speaking about how black women will save the world and anthem. Just look what happened to Nancy Pelosi's husband. These conspiracy theories, this angst about the fact that Joe Biden is president, all of these things that this ideology that Donald Trump has left with some of these people is still playing out. And these are scary times. These are very scary times. Well, you write in the, uh, like, like I say, you write in, the, as, you can be listed as a target, April, in these scary times. That's what I, I guess, I guess, huh? Target. I can. You said I can be. I am a target. Well, you know, I don't want to go there. I'm not going. I'm not going to be the person that comes out and say that on my show. But I, I will use the word "can" be listed as a target because you know where you stand. Because uh, give us comment. How do you? How do you wake up? How do you get on a plane? How do you go to the grocery store? How do you go to a restaurant? Would you feel in that way, knowing that, after, especially what happened to, uh, you know, Congressman Pelosi's husband, your safety. My safety is paramount. Um, my children's safety is paramount. We've got precautions and we work towards um, safety. Um, my head is always on a swivel. But, you know, we are in some very different times, times that I've never imagined we'd be in. But I mean, I, you know, without going into everything, you know, you never say, oh, I'm safe. Right. But you always are, you're always watchful. And, you know, I've had, I've, like I said, I've had the FBI, the bomb squad and everything in my home, you know, and I detail it in the book. We're in some crazy times. And, you know, people come, I condemn this. No, you need to call for the people to go to jail for criminal charges to be placed against these people. This has got to stop. Well, I agree 100%. But, you know, as you approach your 26th year of uh, being at the White House, what are your most memorable moments? I mean, everybody has memorable moments. Everybody, I know in my life, when I look back, I've asked people questions and I go, Michelle, you shouldn't have said that. Or I ask them a question, I get a reaction. I went, wow, I didn't think they had to respond that way. But when you look at your career at the White House, what are, your, what are, what are some of the moments that you stand back and go, I thumped my chest? Some of the moments you go, oh, I wish I, I wish I'd asked that a different way. Oh no, I'm, I don't regret anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of the some of the moments that stand out to me are not news necessarily. Those are the moments though, that one percent when after you work so hard, you finally get the chance to let your hair down. But when it comes to news, you know, asking questions about the black farmers and and. And, and, and their money. And, you know, the first time around with Bill Clinton and then finally the, the black farmers getting their money during uh, the Obama years, asking questions about, you know, uh, uh, slavery, asking questions about policing, asking questions about Katrina. It's always about the story, not about me. It's about information, asking questions for information to help people in their day, their life, what have you. And that's what it's about. And that when I hear people say, thank you for asking that, or I saw that story, it really helped me. That's when what I do really makes a difference. And it makes me feel like I'm in the career that I was chosen to be. Congratulations. As we close out this interview, I'm speaking with April Ryan. Her book, Black Women Will Save the World and Anthem. What do you think is the biggest stereotype that black women face in general, April? 
we're not good enough. Um, uh, we're angry and we're, we're angry, the angry black women, um, or angry black woman. Um, but I try to just spell it every day. You know, I want you to know I'm very concerned. It's not angry about anything. It's very concerned. So concerned. I move by asking questions of the highest office in the land to make a difference. Wow. As you, as you, like I told you, I have six sisters. I have a, my daughter. I have only one child. It's a daughter. She's a, just graduated from college and she has a voice. So I would fall in that young black girls who want to save the world. You know, she's very eco concerned about the trees, about recycling and all this. How would you guide her? Oh, I got those two. I call them feminist tree hugger marches. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something, April, she no joke to you, to her dad, okay? She looks at me like, okay, well, we switched the role here, okay? I'm your dad here. But she is so concerned about our future, which rightfully so. You know, I, I'm at the end of my future. She has to live her future out, so she should be concerned with the world. So what would you advise would you give? You have one. I'm, I got one. I got two. I got two. <laughs> One <and laughs> what, what do you say to your young your young voices that I can carry over to my young child? Because she's going to listen to this interview. I'll make sure she does because this book is fantastic. And I'm going to make sure, I, you know, she, she's in Houston. That's when she graduated from college. I'm based in Atlanta. So this book, I'll be taking on the plane with me so she can get it and read it. Right. Well, what, what advice do you give them so I can share with her? Um, I tell them that, you know, just pace yourself because they ready to slay the dragon right now. And I'm like, you gotta, you gotta watch the dragon and then you gotta figure out how to slay the dragon. And I said, I know you're concerned, but pace yourself because you don't want them burning out too quick and getting hurt by their passion. But I support them. And that's the thing. I may not always agree, but I know in their heart they feel it's right and it's legal. So I support them in, in their efforts. I mean, look, in COVID, they went out marching. And I was like, no, you can't. And they were like, we going out in spite of it. And I was like, I have never worried about my children leaving the house until then because they wanted to, to stand for George Floyd. And I said, okay. I said, just put your mask on, stay away from people. This was before the vaccine. Right. I said, you know, all I can do is support them and marvel at the young women that they are and the women that they are aspiring to be. I'm just so proud of them. And I'm proud of your daughter for being that way, too. Tree-hugging feminists who will march. <laughs> she, April, she no joke. She is no joke. I, I don't stop her. I advise her. I tell her, I, I tell my wife, I say, you know, I, you know I'm not going to tell her what she can't do. If she seeks my advice, I'm going to... Um, then I will have an opinion, but I will not jump out in front of her and tell her to stop. But I will advise her when it goes, what the world is. Look at the news. Look at the news. The news tells a lot. But look at all the news so you can hear both sides of the story. And April, over the years and watching you, you're courageous. Uh, I'm humbled to interview you because I've seen you face adversity in the public's eye. And you stood proud and you made me proud. And you made America proud. You made black America proud. And I want to tell you, um, I, this book is a very good read. Like you said, it is timely. And sometimes when you do it at the right time, then it's time for everybody to read it. And I'm going to recommend everybody to read this book, Black Women's Will Save the World, an anthem by April Ryan. Thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation Masterclass. Thank you. I, I enjoyed my masterclass. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Be quiet, big timer. Bye-bye. Stay safe, Bye. okay? <laughs> you too.